We'd like to welcome everyone this morning to the Lord's house to hear the, uh, the story once again of the Lord Jesus, how he came to this lowly earth to be with us and then to ascend back into his Father's house. Before we go into the word, are there any greetings or announcements? Thank you, Sister Vicky. Sister Nancy and Brother Gregor in Windsor, extended greetings. Brian and Sandy, extended greetings. Thank you, Brother Mark. Brother Brian and Sister Sandy, extended greetings. Sister Dorothy Moore, extended greetings. Thank you, Brother Craig. Brother Robbie Barillari and his wife, Sister Becky, extended greetings. They were planning to be here, but the child got sick. Uh, and tomorrow is Wednesday, which <coughs> means it's CFG. Uh, tomorrow? Oh, this is just for the, that's why I just wonder. CFG's cancelled, but for, for the apologetics series, it's going to be here at 4 o'clock in church. And with... Um, with a meal for those that want to attend. So I hope you got that. Sister uh, Beverly Campbell couldn't make it. She extended greetings to the church. Are there any other greetings? If not, let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for your goodness and grace to us in extending us this time that we could gather together, that we could travel safely to the house of the Lord. And we pray that you'd be with each and every one of us this morning. You'd speak to us your word and open hearts to be receptive to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be with those that are not here, the sick, the shut-in, those that are going through difficulties, those that have been suffering for such a long time, we pray that you would be with them and that your peace would be upon them. We ask all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> with the Lord's help, I'd just like to focus on one verse and then go into several others um, from the gospel first starting with the gospel of Luke which we had already read this past week chapter 2 verse 14 Luke chapter 2 verse 14 going to back up one verse to give it context. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest 
and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the evangelist Luke, the gospel writer Luke, who penned these words some 2,000 years ago. It is known that this time of the year, the Christmas season, is not always joyous for many. As a matter of fact, it's very depressing for many. Because this is a time where families get together, where there's comfort and joy in not only the spiritual, but in the physical. And yet many cannot be joyful or comfortable or even at peace because of the difficulties that surround them, that they're involved in, engaged in. Many of the songs that this world sings often focus on that very fact that there are some in this world or many in this world that are in great difficulty, great plight. Songs of famine, of hunger, of war, of abuse. Why is it that they always revert to Christmas when these songs are sung? I think we all know why. Because I believe that this word of God that is before us is really the only word that focuses on these things. Mainly because it's about Jesus. There were times when in years gone by things were very precarious in this world. where civilization experienced great wars and bloodshed. There was World War I, those that were students or are students of history. World War I, the Great War they called it, a bloody war, where many innocent, if you can put that in quote, innocent people suffered and many really innocent people suffered because of the collateral damage that occurred with bombing and gunfire and cannon fire. And we all remember the story of how in the middle of that bloody war on the Western Front, it stopped for a couple of days. And the Germans began singing their hymns in German, in the, in the German tongue, Silent Night, Holy Night. And the Allies, when they heard them, they thought, what's this, a tactic to lay our guard down? So they sang back another song, a Christmas carol in English, and then the Germans 
rose up and started walking towards them, and they thought this was still a trap until they saw they had no arms. And they came, and you know, we know the story of this meeting in what they called no man's land, where the Germans offered their hand and some wine and some gifts, and they even had a soccer match. And they could live in peace for about three days. They even took time to bury the dead. They allowed the dignity of allowing each other to bury their dead. But then they clocked their card. It's time to go back to what we were here for. And they started shooting at each other. A warm moment in the middle of conflict, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of plunder and bloodshed and death. We can remember other incidences where this world was on the verge of self-annihilation. You say, that couldn't be. You remember Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Engay, the plane that flew over Nagasaki and Hiroshima. They, bought, they dropped, was it, little boy, they called the bomb. The first bombing destroyed 100,000 people on the spot. And the Russians, feeling that they're getting behind, they, they also built up nuclear arms and eventually decided to put missiles in, in Cuba called the Cuban Missile Crisis, where President J.F. Kennedy warned the Russians, was it Khrushchev, I think? Back off, back off. And they, realizing how terrible this could be, backed off. They averted a world war, another world war, maybe the final war. But it's not over. It's not over. This world is in conflict. It's a cold war. I was just, it just piqued my curiosity. I saw this <clears throat> uh, man that was called, he was in the a nuclear uh, business for 40 years and he gave, a, he gave a talk on what this world is on the verge of. He said now they can have a missile from, uh, shot from a submarine that can have a thousand times the power of a Hiroshima bomb. Now there are not only two nations with nuclear warheads, there are seven nations with nuclear warheads. At one stage there were 60,000 60, nuclear warheads all over, all over the world, mainly 95% between Russia and America. Now there's only 15,000, but they can blow this world up five times. They can annihilate the human race. Only 15,000 warheads. This world is at war. They haven't pushed the button. They haven't pulled the trigger yet. But this world is a tinderbox. You don't even have to look at Russia and, and, and the USA. They say that between Pakistan and India alone, with their weaponry, if they got into full blast battle, 
that it would create such destruction and devastation that the plume, the plume that actually ascends from the nuclear battle between them, if they decided to do that, would rise above the clouds into the, into the atmosphere. Being above the clouds, they could not dispel the, the nuclear uh, fallout for years because it doesn't rain above the clouds. And we'd enter a nuclear winter where the crops wouldn't grow. There'd be no food. And they estimate two billion people could die from that. This is not someone, Carl Sagan, science fiction. This is calculated, expected death on this globe. Then I heard it directly from the Secretary of Defense that worked for Obama. He said the same thing. This is just between Pakistan and India. This world is in great turmoil. It's at war and all you need is someone when he's emotionally unbalanced to pull a trigger, to push the button this world is finished. Now we know it's in God's hands. We know that. But we also know that God says in his words, there's going to come a time in 2 Peter 3 where the elements shall melt from fervent heat. The interviewer of this uh, defense secretary asked him, so what do, you, what do you think the likelihood is? Or he gave, what number are you giving to us that this could happen? He says 50-50. Because now you can just get it into the hands of a terrorist. 40 kilograms of enriched uranium into the hands of a terror group could start something. And the president always carries, his bodyguards always carry with him a bag with a football in it that at any time he could press the buttons and unconditionally signal attack. Or if there's any misunderstanding of, of signals or, or radar across the world, that Russia or the, the, the enemy would see that, they could also press theirs, and there's missiles, guided missiles, nuclear warheads, guided at and targeting all the big cities in North America and vice versa in Europe. This is not, a, this is not, this is not made up. The world is at war. And it's a bleak picture. It's a bleak picture that we live in a world like this. So when it comes time for Christmas, we, our minds are not there. Our minds are not in Russia. Our minds, are not, our minds are here, aren't they? We don't care about what's going to happen in the future. We care about what's here now. Let's move ourselves away from the battlefront and move ourselves to another battlefront, and that is our society. All the social problems, all the social ills. Now, I'm pretty sure that many of us here aren't suffering, I would say most aren't suffering as society out there. That you see them on the streets. I used to work in Toronto for nine years 
And every day, I'd see every day, I would see them. And whether they were alcoholics or druggies or whatever it was or someone that was rejected by his parents or family and out there, I really didn't, I really didn't ask questions. I would just give them because I felt I needed to give. And it's easy for us to live in our homes and warm gas-heated homes and, 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 and just shut all of that out. But one thing you cannot escape, one thing that we cannot escape is, is not the war against social degradation, but, but the battles and the conflicts that we have in our own homes. Suffering. Toxic families. Broken relationships. All of these things. And now I know we're coming closer to where it hurts. When the evangelist said that the angels said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. He wasn't just talking about war. He was talking about mainly the inner peace that a man can have. War was part of that, but that wasn't his focus. He came to bring peace because what is the beginning? What is the, the root of all hostility and conflict? It's a heart that doesn't have the love for his fellow man. It's a heart that doesn't have compassion and feelings for the oppressed. It's a heart that just thinks of self. And until the heart of the problem is fixed, the problem will not be fixed. And that's why Jesus came. When Isaiah 53 says that he was healed, that he was, he was beaten for our transgressions, he suffered for our transgressions, his stripes heal us, he was speaking of the heart of the problem. I was really moved this past couple of days, just came up, um, somebody posted a hymn, a carol, written by, many of you may know him, some of you may know him, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He lived in the 1800s. He, may, he was probably, according to many, the, the best poet that, that America ever produced. He was also an educator, a professor at the universities. He translated from Greek, Latin, Hebrew, very gifted. His first wife he married lost her life in childbirth. And then when he started his life all over again, his second wife was burnt in a fire. Her dress caught fire and he was upstairs napping and then the children yelled and called him down. And by that time she was burned very severely. 
He was burned and scarred in the face and in the hands. He couldn't even go to a funeral because he wasn't well enough. And then his son Charlie decided to join into the civil war against his father's wishes. And he went and he got shot by enemy fire, critically wounded, and eventually died. So as he sat down to write grievingly about his life, he heard the, the Christmas bells in the belfries of the local church. And this is what he wrote. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And while then sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace. On earth I said, for hate is strong. And mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Some may say today, what peace is there? What goodwill is there when there's hunger and greed and capitalism and conflict and shootings every day almost in Toronto now? Toronto, the good. What is there to look forward to? I, I remember the sermon that Brother Edmund had a long time ago in Western Road when he talked about people dreaming about a white Christmas and then in Germany there was this white things falling out of the sky. But that white thing falling out of the sky was soot from the chimneys of the incinerators of Auschwitz and, and all the other death camps. What is their hope for mankind when their heart is set on destroying each other? Or you may say, oh, there's a lot of good in the world. Only by God's grace does he send his reign upon the just and the unjust. And as Longfellow pondered this and he heard the bells once more, he said, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. To ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He realized God was not dead. He realized that God would not fail. 
But for whatever reason, God allows suffering and war. It's not because he is the author thereof. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. It's when man does not follow the teachings of our God and follow his commandments, when they do not embrace the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is what happens. This is the collateral damage that occurs when we disobey the law of God. John chapter, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talked about the beautiful attitudes of our heart, how we are to respond, how we are to love, how we are to be humble and meek, how we are to yearn for righteousness, how we are to not retaliate evil for evil. So let's bring it a little bit more home. You didn't take part in the wars. You weren't responsible for what happened in, in, in the death camps of Germany and Poland. But you do have your own, and I do have my own. I, I, I don't like to say you. I, I, need, I, I need to be more inclusive. We have our own problems. We have our own wars. We have our own conflicts. We have our own struggles. We have our own suffering. There's none in this room. And if you say you don't, I won't believe you. We all have our own personal warfare and struggles. Some are internal. Some don't affect others. Many affect others. Is there someone here this morning that has difficulty with his neighbor, with his brother, with his sister, with his family member? How many times is it that people cannot attend family functions, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or just get-togethers because of can't get along? And this thing affects us daily. Not once in a 50-year war. Daily it affects us. And we'd rather not get involved because it's too hurtful. So we're not in conflict, but we're in a cold war. That at times when we meet, just erupts. Is that the intention of Jesus Christ? Is that what, why Jesus came to earth? Just to give us individual inner peace, but let everyone fend for themselves? I don't want anything to do with him. He says, peace on earth and what? Good will toward men. Toward each other. Let me read you the true meaning of Christmas or the meaning of the birth of Christ, if I can turn to Philippians, one of my favorite chapters, Philippians chapter 2. 
You want to know what joy is? If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this mindset, this way of thinking. Let this mind be in you, which was also in, the, in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of flesh and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is the incarnation. He came in likeness of man. Yet he was God, the Son. And he didn't thought, think it was robbery, something to be snatched and say, this is mine. To be equal with God. If anyone doubts the Trinity, the deity of Christ, this is right in your face. To be equal with God. To say this and not be, be so is sacrilege. It's blasphemy. And yet he, being God the Son, born of a woman, came into this world and humbled himself. Hebrews 2 says he didn't take upon himself the nature of angels who are ministering spirits. But he took upon himself the nature of man so that he could feel what we feel like. So he can, he can experience what we experience. He could feel the rejection. He could feel the pain, the suffering, the physical, the emotional the abandonment, the rejection. He could feel all of that. And yet, in chapter 4 of Hebrews, it says, yet he was without sin. And he was the prince of peace. He was the prince and still is on the throne as the prince of peace. Now, Jesus came to make us this whole. Not just to conquer the world from evil, get rid of evil in that final battle of the Lord God Almighty, but to conquer evil in our hearts, to overcome sin in our hearts, to root our bitterness and strife and envy and hatred and selfishness. That's the true meaning of the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he did that willingly. He did that volitionally. He laid down his life of himself. No man took it from him. 
He gave up the ghost. He said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. His life. And he did that for us. Jesus was not just a good example to us. Jesus was the sacrificial atonement, the propitiation, where he bore in his body our sins and he loved us enough to face all the abuse, rejection, mockery, um, indign- uh, loss of dignity for our sake. What is stopping us today? What is stopping us today? Paul is, the apostle, is speaking here of how we need to be unified. It doesn't mean we wear the same clothes and the same colored shirts and the same colored shoes. That's not what unified means. It means to have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ was to humble ourselves, to be meek, to be unselfish. Love is not an emotion. It's a sacrifice of our, all our desires, all our wants for the sake and the benefit of others. That's what Jesus did. He made himself of no reputation, to took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And no, matter, no, no, no amount of peace treaties in this world, no amount of promises in this world is going to bring that peace to your heart and to mine. But it has to be a dying of ourselves, crucifying the old man within us through the help of his Holy Spirit and humbling ourselves. You know what keeps us apart, my dear ones? It's not the other person's fault. It's not because what he did or she did to me. What keeps us from being one and unified is our own pride. I can tell you there are many things that perhaps people say and do to me that I say, you know what, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to leave it alone. I think it's more effective when God speaks to their heart than me to speak to their heart. Especially if they are, if their defenses go up. How did they treat Jesus? Mocked him, accused him, falsely accused him, and Jesus opened not his mouth. Or there was a time to speak. But when he said it, he let that word rest with them and let the Holy Spirit speak to their hearts, if their hearts were changeable at that time.
One thing that I would like to say in counseling with many, we have to acknowledge that even as being Christians, it doesn't make us perfect. We have our imperfections. We have our failures, our faults, our sins. And the key to peace and unity is not never sinning again, because that's not going to happen. We will fall short. We will sin. We will hurt each other. But the key to maintaining the peace and the unity is forbearance and forgiveness. If, you, if, you, if you're a mechanic in this room and you know how engines are put together, you can see when they put the engine blocks together, the, the polished surfaces are so polished, you could probably see your face in them, but you can't put them together thinking that there's not going to be a leak. Because on that microscopic level, there are imperfections. There are pores. And your engine will leak, spilling gasoline and, and oil. You know what they do to fix the imperfections between two individual members? They put a gasket. A gasket is a soft piece of material that when you press the two elements together, two members together, it fills in the void. It fills all the gaps. And the engine is whole. What is that gasket to us in our relationships? The gasket is the love of God. The patience, the forbearance, the forgiveness. Willing to say, you're my brother. I don't want to hurt you. Do you know that you are brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ? The one who didn't think itself robbery to be equal with God? Do you know that? Do we know that? And when my brother hurts, I hurt. Because Jesus died for him too. That's the brother of my Lord. That's the sister of my Lord. That's my brother. I pray that we take away more than just the Christmas carols that we sing. Off by heart. Sometimes maybe not even thinking it. That's why I love these old hymns. They speak from experience. They really speak from people's experience. And you could probably write a hymn of your own. A song of your own. When God has given you victory. That's when hymns are made. Not for the sake of entertaining other people. Not for the sake of, of selling records. But hymns that really have depth and meaning. And in despair, 
I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. When peace on earth, goodwill to all men. May the Lord bless his word. Brother, find the hymn, please.